You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I am your host, Justin, and I am here with Jason and Dan. How's it going? Kia ora, Excellent. I was that, Maori, by the way. Maori, haha. Yeah. I was wondering if that was some sort of South uh, Asian dialect. Sounded uh, there. Islander or something. South yeah, Pacific. Pol- Polynesian. Kia Very nice. Uh, I was debating on whether or not to say good morning, good afternoon, good evening, you know, because like, yeah, and good night. <laughs> because I don't, you know, who knows when people listen to this. Whenever you're listening to this, hello and good whatever it is to you. I have a theory about podcasts. Yes. I have a theory that after a while you can tell what time of day people record them and they are better listened to the time of day or night that they're recorded. Oh, that's oh, not interesting. A, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting thing. Yeah. Anyway, I had a professor that no matter what time of the day it was, he always said, "Good morning." He <laughs> <laughs> was this short little guy with like a long goatee and like gray goatee, real like classic professor look, right? You'd have like a 7 to 10 p.m you know class at night and there he'd walk in and he'd be like good morning nice you're like here we go all right and you've got a booger hanging from your nose too sir quantum physics this is gonna be fun yeah he was my circuits (laughs) professor well we have a great show for you today we are talking about time travel in rpgs oh yeah it's gonna be great and not just the Wayne's World kind. <laughs> Although that is a great time travel. Because that's more the retcon, right? Can I retcon? You know <laughs> right. what? You know what? Every time now somebody says, can I retcon? I'm going to make them make that sound. <laughs> you should. Well, it's just like Clue, right? The different multiple endings. Yeah. Well, it could have oh, happened yeah. like that. Or. Or. Very good. All right. So uh, let's start with Geek Week. Uh, Jason, why don't we kick it off with you this week? Oh, uh, let's see. So I, wa- I, my wife and I decided over the holidays that we were going to start Mandalorian because everyone's been uh, season two. You already season saw two. Season one. Yep, season yeah. two. Uh, talking about it. So we're still we haven't finished it yet, but man, it's really good. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. It's, How uh, have you not finished it yet? It so delivers. Uh, six kids, full time job. Yeah, um, life. yeah, you know, it's life. called holiday break, Jason. I know that you didn't leave the house one day. Well, I'll t- sleep <laughs> something you don't need, evidently. Um, you know, yes. <laughs> I think Justin has cloned himself. I think right. there's four That's or five Justins is. like operating mul- simultaneously. Yeah. He's you, got that, that. you ever see that movie Multiplicity with yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Oh yeah. gosh, that's great. This a is copy of a, a copy. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so we're still burrowing through, but uh, but it's fun. You know what's great is that my wife, who I will say she's not a nerd, a Star Wars nerd, but she's definitely like a fan. Um, but but she's not like a fan that's going to have crazy like you know deep knowledge. Like she couldn't even yeah. tell you what the races were that you yeah. were looking, what the names of the races. Like it's a Camorian. She's like it's a big green dude, you know. Yeah. But um, but once um, once. Uh, that uh, once uh, I guess was it episode one, when uh, with the marshal, yeah, was, yeah, episode one the marshal. Once once she saw that armor, she was like, "That's Boba Fett's armor." <laughs> and I was like, fantastic. "Yes, you got it, babe." That's yeah. all it takes. <laughs> That's all so, we needed. Like, instantly, she knew it. <laughs> yeah. And, so and we're t- we're gonna go to bed early tonight. Yes. You knew it. <laughs> 
so going back to uh, you win, going... babe. Here's the prize. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> going back to that episode we recorded uh, what two weeks ago, um, uh, yeah. and we talked about how like I th- I just am so appreciative of Dave Filoni and and uh, John Favreau for them being able to like bring in the new and tie to the old. You know, I mean, they did it yeah. in such a nice, mm-hmm. subtle way that, you know, and uh, I, I don't want to rehash everything that I said there. But like what sure. you're saying yeah. right there, that example with your wife is exactly what I was talking about, where new fans can come in and be like, oh, my gosh, I know this, but this is a whole new thing. And it's amazing. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, and that you can enter- enjoy the show on a lot of different levels. I will say this one last thing that, you know, my you know, we had talked about how um, to be fair uh, you know, an episodic medium is different than a cinema medium yeah. for being able to do that. So, yeah, I think you have a little more freedom in the, you know, in a TV show. Yeah. And even my wife, you know, we did not, had not really talked to her about that. We were watching and, you know, four or five episodes in, she says, she just pauses, you know, this is really great, but this is why this is a TV series and not a movie. She's like, let's yeah. think about what's happened. She's like, basically nothing has happened. We've had some yeah. really fun shows, but yeah. nothing has progressed in the main storyline. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's a good point. But you know, that's the point of a show is you just having a little self-contained. That's adventures. a lot of TV shows. I mean, like you look at supernatural, they had 15 oh, seasons. And if yeah. you like pull through like the main plot of what happened, like <laughs> you're right. like, well, it's like, like seven episodes. Yeah, you know, so, and I mean, the X-Files was like that, too, remember, like, they'd have, like, a whole season go by, and there was only, like, three episodes with the inky eye people, you know, and, like, that was, like, the main plot of, like, you know, the the deep state government was hiding stuff from Agent Mulder, Uh, you know. Uh, so. Yeah, don't even get me started on the Leviathan seasons with Supernatural. Oh, dude, such yeah. a waste, yeah. such a filler seasons. <laughs> it was. They uh, were anyways. refinding themselves refinding, in those seasons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so <clears throat> the next thing that I did is Justin, you and I, we decided we were just going to get together and play a game, a co-op game on Xbox called A Way Out. Oh, my gosh. So much fun. <laughs> So much fun. And I don't know if we were supposed to have that much fun. No, I don't with think it. so. <laughs> <laughs> so this was this was um an interesting co op take because either like when you play most co op games, you either um share a screen where you both see each other on a screen like third person, right? Yeah, if you're sitting or, on the couch usually. Yeah, yeah. Or um you are like first person point of view and you kind of operate independently. What was interesting about this game was that um, I got to see what you were seeing on your screen and you got to see what I was seeing on my screen. So it was like, it was Xbox an online Live. split screen, online oh, split no. screen. Oh no. Yeah. It was pretty awesome though. It was there's really like, awesome. It was really cool because there was times where I was doing something and he was doing something and I'd look over and he's like, I, he's like slapping a dude in the face and I'm like punching another dude. And we're like, what, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Or, or I'm getting a shower as I oh, make my way into the prison. Fantastic. Meanwhile, you're over there having a fist fight. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what's, what's happening on your screen? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dude, it was, I mean, we just had so much fun, and, like, the guys' names were Vincent and Leo, and so Vincent we, and Leo. we were referring to each other all night as Vincent and Leo, yeah. you know? 
so, so we haven't even said anything about the premise of the, of the game. Oh, yeah, so. exactly. We should probably start with <laughs> yeah. that. So basically, they're two dudes who meet up in prison and break out together. So it's kind of like an, a, great, a great escape. Or like um, prison break. Yeah, prison. Yeah, anything if, like that. Um, yeah. And, uh, and it really has that similar feel. But it's super fun because, like, you get in fist fights in the prison together. And you're, you're, like, throwing people at, you know, back and forth. Uh, but then, like when you're, you know, when you're obviously you're trying to break through a wall with like a little chisel. One guy's at the bars, and you're like keeping watch for the guards, and you have to actually like use the mic and tell your friend, "Guards coming! You got five seconds. Okay, stop yeah. chiseling." And yeah. then you know he moves away and hides the chisel, and you're like exchanging the chisel through the bars. And... Yeah, during a shakedown. The um the interesting thing about this is that it's not like it's an open world co-op where no. you can just uh-uh. decide to go off. It, it's very linear. It is very linear. Yeah. I mean, you it's are railroaded in these things. You can make certain choices sometimes. Like we were given a path at one point to um we came across this house after we had broken broken out of prison and we yeah. came across this like old couple in a house and my way, I'm I was Leo, the kind of hothead, short-tempered guy. Um, my way was to bust in their house, tie him up, and yeah. raid their house for clothes. And Vincent's way was to go let the horses out and distract them, get them out of the house, and then go get their go in the house and get clothes. Yeah. So we got to choose. Like we had to kind of vote, like which way we would go. You know, both of us, and um, you know, we we swapped between times where you know, like we decided to go over a bridge with a cop car. You yeah. know, and pretend of, we were cops. Yeah, that didn't work out too well. Nope, not at all. Um, you know, so we did my way sometimes. We did uh, we did Vincent's way sometimes, and it was just it was a lot of fun. It was a ton of fun. And we it's a good a quality time. game too. I mean, like yeah. you know, the the if you're into graphics, the graphics are good, right? They're on par with you know, I think most AAA titles you'd see. Yeah. Nowadays. So what, what platform is this on, and how much does it? Cost? It's on any uh, all the platforms right all now. All the platforms. So PC, okay. PS4, Xbox. Um, yeah. It's actually on sale right now. Uh, it's only eight ninety nine on the the standard edition. Eight ninety nine. And what's it, what's it called one more time? A way out. A way out. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And uh, if you are an Xbox Ultimate, uh, get, you know Ultimate Games Pass holder, um, that comes with EA Play. Yep. So you and this is where we got it. We got it from the EA Play Store um, for free. That so we got to try it out. Yep. So here's another example of the Games Pass coming through for us. Just paying for itself, man. I tell you, it really does. I mean, you know that game. Um, we really knew nothing. All I did was I just saw it. I said, "Hey, a co-op game. You bust out of prison together." I was like, "Dude, Justin, let's play it." You yeah. Know? And because it was already included in our Game Pass, we. Didn't, have to fork out any of the money. We didn't have to take any risks. It was just there. I tell you what, I was super skeptical of the Games Pass when they were first offering it, you know. And I'm like, I don't know if I would pay fifteen dollars a month. I'm paying five a month for gold. You know what I mean? But now I don't think I'm going to go back. I'm not it, having Games Pass. Like, I, I don't think so. It's weird because, and here's why. Another reason is um, uh, the because Xbox. And, and by the way, I'm not a fan one way or the other. I have all of the systems, and I like all the systems for different yeah. things. But the Xbox One also is tied to the PC. So, like, I play games on my Xbox with my Ultimate. Yeah. I also get on the PC, and I download games on my PC that are also included in my Ultimate membership. And I play PC yep. games with it. So, I have access. And and I you can cloud stream, as we talked about last time, you can cloud stream to your Android device without yep. having to do any installs. Which, by the way... 
I installed an Android emulator on my PC so that I could stream all of the cloud games to my PC. So it's just oh, there's so cool. much that comes with the Xbox Ultimate membership. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's turned out to be a good, a way better deal than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And with all the announcements at the uh, last Xbox um, game show, I don't know what they called it, the Xbox preview show that was back in June mm-hmm. or July. Um, all the announcements were that their major titles were coming out free on the on the thing, you know, on the Games Pass. So if like half of those games, I'm like, I would buy that game. And I'm like, that would be a $60 game. So if I'm paying $15 a month, you know, uh, that's uh, what quick math. I don't know how much that it's is. It's cheaper than buying the game. It's cheaper. <laughs> it's cheaper than buying four games. Yeah. You know, I think. Yes, it is. It's interesting because I also, you know, we have the Nintendo Online family account, which is like yep. 35 bucks a month. And that... What comes with that, obviously, you can play online just like the other ones. But what also comes with that is access to the Nintendo, uh, all the Nintendo and Super Nintendo ROMs that they have in their store. Oh, nice. Which is growing. It's not very big right now, but it's growing. It's got a lot of the classics. Um, so you can just get onto your Switch with that membership, and you can just cloud. It's the same thing. You cloud stream the uh, the SNES and, and NES games. And it's fun to play those games. Now, if you're a hardcore NES guy, it's worth it. Um me, I only really use that when I'm playing with like family members and friends right. and stuff. And every now and then I'll boot up an SNES game and like like Super Cools and Ghosts or something, and be like, "Yeah, this was fun." And I'll play it for like 15 minutes, but then I'll just go back to something else. Double but, Dragon. Double Dragon is that on there? I think it. I don't know if that if it is, I'm coming over and we're playing it because <laughs> I used I used to rock and Justice for All by Metallica like as loud oh, as we could yes. with my friend and just rock that game as hard as we could. It Best was Metallica so good. album ever. Oh, it was hands down, and we were like, just like you know, it's like blackened, blackened, and we're just like ah, just like playing out of our minds, you know, against the boss. Like it was so good, yeah, so many good, good times with that. Yeah. So anyway, a way out. You guys need to try it. Find your find your friend that looks at you the way that Leo looks at Vincent, <laughs> and get in the game and play with each other. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good times. All right. Dan- for me. Dan, how was your weekend or, or week? It was pretty geeky. Um, we did a follow-up to the uh, my Star Wars RPG session with my new group. Nice, we, nice. Um, we we're in session two. We picked up session one was like a couple weeks after the end of episode nine. So they were scavenging the Star Destroyers that were underwater in uh, on Exegol. Ooh. And so in episode two, they were still there working, working men, you know, doing, you know, reclamation stuff. And um, lo and behold, one of those Star Destroyers was not destroyed. And they found uh, one of those guns that was not destroyed. They could uh, the cigar shaped Death Star. So uh, hilarity arose from from that session. So we had a great time. And because of that, I rewatched episode nine. And I like it. It holds up much better than everybody hated on it a year ago. So I think sometimes some of these movies... You time, have to, time heals wounds? You have to sit on certain things and let let it sink in for a year. Um, because for a while... I mean, literally, that's the only movie I don't own. I just have access to Disney+. Plus. Yeah. But I literally don't own a physical copy. I have every everything else. Everything else except for that. But I went back and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I like this. You know, time has healed the prequels for me yeah. quite a bit quite yeah. a bit and actually I, I i think more than just time but the clone wars cartoon series yeah it did made a lot of good. the prequels a lot better 
Yeah. Uh, it filled in a lot of holes that I had issues with, you know, kind of plot-wise and timeline-wise and, you know, I'm and just it, like, it, uh It really fixes Anakin. But if you go on does. Anakin's it fixes journey, Anakin a lot. yeah, because the problem with episode two and three is largely Anakin and the Clone Wars really makes him a much more lovable character, interesting character, and well-rounded character. Because yeah. guess what? You got six seasons, duh. Like yeah. a TV show to, to add depth and all that stuff. So anyway, yep. Yep. Um, I also played Hail Hydra. I uh, oh. I had um, <laughs> a daughter of one of our pals say, I don't know what game to get my dad. And I'm like, uh, Hail Hydra, it's 15 bucks. For those who don't know, it is kind of like uh, Secret Hitler, kind of like Battlestar Galactica. It's kind of a hybrid of the two. And I think it's it's the it's the better. I think it takes the best pieces of both and it is a slightly better game than Hill Hit uh, than Secret Hitler. And oh, definitely definitely a better game than uh in my opinion than Battlestar Galactica, even though I'm a huge BSG fan. I did How many uh how many players is it? It can get up to like eight or nine. I think okay. it's eight or nine. So you get to, it's cool because everybody has superpowers and you get to, you get your one power you get to use during the game and you can watch the bad guys destroy the city and there's bad guys you fight in the open and there's people trying to help those. It's just good. Um, I like it. Uh, it's, I've played it twice now and it, it, it holds up really well. And, and it was actually, like $15? Yeah, and it's super cheap too. So I think there's another conversation to be had here about somebody who owns a license goes and finds a fun game like Secret Hitler and says, "What if we reskin this? What if we fixed everything we hated with Secret Hitler, made uh-huh. it better, and skinned it with this IP that we have a license for? We could make a ton of money." So <laughs> I think That's there's interesting. I think there's more than a few games out there on the market that are kind of like that. Um, uh, you know, we, we could go in, we could talk about that in nauseum, but I thought, I thought that was interesting. I'm like, this is a really good game. It's, um, so anyway, it's good. I was introduced by my spouse who asked for Christmas and got Bonanza, which is a German, um, uh, it's a German game. It's published by Rio Grande. If you guys don't know, Rio Grande games publishes, publishes a yep. lot of European games. They used to have the Catan license back in the day. They you know, do uh, Puerto Rico and yeah. um, Dominion, yeah, yeah. Yep, a lot yep, yep. of a lot of those games. So Bonanza, spelled with B O H N A N Z A, which I'm guessing is the German spelling of the word Bonanza. You plant beans, um, and uh, there's a specific way that you plant beans and you trade beans. Um, I played it. Because my spouse wanted to, it took a lot of arm twisting of my daughters to keep them at the table. Um, I had one storm off. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, it was geeky. We tried it out. You may love this game. It may be your jam. But we we had a real hard time with it, except for the person who wanted it and owns it. Uh, (laughs) So... Nice. The other geek thing is, I because we're talking about time travel, I did want to mention, and this has almost come up in the past, and it's been on the tip of my tongue in a few of our podcasts, is that H.G. Wells, who has like four Nobel, who had, who won four Nobel prizes for literature, he wrote The Time Machine, The Island mm-hmm. of Dr. Moreau, The Invisible Man, War of the Worlds. In 1913, he published a miniatures war game. Like he is the father of many, you know, I many know that. war I knew games. That. You did know that. Yeah. I watched a whole documentary on it, um, on like the history of wargaming, and he was a big part of the first like manual of like wargaming. So good. Um, 
Yeah, so he's he's yeah he's considered the father. There's another guy I can't remember who's considered the like the grandfather of it that like he kind of played with, um, and uh, but yeah, you had you had like other guys like C.S. Lewis out there, like pictures of him like out there wargaming with like like um twelve inch models. Yeah. Out lead, on the field, lead, and lead. they're like shooting like cannons and stuff at each other. Yeah, they other, launch you know? matches out of these like spring loaded launchers. And if yeah. You get, <laughs> you get hit with a fiery match, you're dead. Um, anyway, I just wanted to share that with our listeners because. Yeah, it's cool. You know, here's a guy who's like <laughs> no slouch when it comes to sci fi, but also no slouch when it comes to gaming. And this is 100 years ago. So. Original Geek um, Week, man. OG. We, that's a deep <laughs> That's a deep pull from 1913. Yeah. Man. Uh, so, anyway, long story short, um, it's cool. I, and I wanted to share that with the world. Okay, that's the end of my Geek Week. Awesome. That's great stuff. That's great stuff. Uh, for my geek week, um, I'm going to start out. I did a bunch of modeling. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get paid for it because it wasn't that kind of modeling. It was me putting models together, not me in front of a camera. Hubba yeah. hubba. Yeah. <laughs> well. For for me, like uh, the words of the uh, Chippendales with Chris Farley come to mind of like, well, <laughs> well, you may be attracted to some of our plus size ladies. Yes. We decided to go with you know Patrick Swayze. <laughs> I love that. Oh, story. gotta love those. It's old. so good, so good. Barney, you really danced your butt off tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, so I did not do any modeling. I did some hobbying with models, um, and I got a couple of Warcry sets as my post-Christmas presents to me. Hooray. So I got the Caradron Overlords, which are the balloony guys. We talked about that last time. I got a Skaven box, so I have a bunch of rats that are being put together right now. And I got a Stormcast Eternals with uh, the shooty, shooty Stormcasters, the shootcast guys. And so i got to put those together. But uh, that leads me – so I, I've been putting a lot of them together. I've been painting a bunch of them. I've been um, doing a lot of that. I, I'm feeling a lot of motivation to get, like, you know, these warbands are bite-sized compared to, like, painting an entire army. So um, – it's easy to keep up motivation, I feel like, you know, to get the hobbying done. Um, anyway, that leads me into what Jason and I also did last week, which was we had a little Warcry game. Um, he brought over his ogres, mm-hmm. and we decided to run the ogre campaign out of the core rule book, which was a lot of fun because he played his ogres, and then I played Stormcast Eternals against him in our first game. And then the second game, he, you know, uh, did the campaign thing where he got a little artifact and he got to try to level his guys up and all this stuff. And then I brought in a completely new warband of orcs. Um, so I've got enough warbands that we're like being able to switch out every single time we play. Like one of us is a consistent with that warband doing the campaign, but we're hitting a different, you know, faction every time. And I think it brings in some fun possibilities Yeah. with it. So, uh, it, cool. it did. It was yeah, a lot of fun. I yeah, was going to say it was cool to be able to play two games at the table against two different armies in one night. Yeah, in one night. And we had a lot of fun. And the cool thing, too, is the hard work that I put into getting the Chaotic Beasts done from the core rulebook paid off because we drew two cards as our twist cards 
to play with the Chaotic Beasts, which added quite a bit of uh, drama to our games. You know, like being able to move these things and try to get in your way. Like, so the first game that we were playing, I had to choose one of my guys to run off the edge of the board, and he basically had to run across the entire board. But Jason was able to use the uh, Furies, which are like basically winged uh, harpy type things. Mm-hmm. Um, he was able to use them to block my path and box me in. Clog you up. Until the uh, ogres could come in and clobber me to death. So it, that was a pretty tight game. And then the second game, um, I was able to use the Raptorixes, which are like little winged dinosaur bird things. Um they actually look like winged versions of the dinosaur that kills Dennis Nedry in Jurassic Park. <laughs> you know, like the one that yeah. has like the uh-huh. like the fan yep. that pops out, yeah. you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so they got the little fan thing, but they also have like wings. So I, I always kept thinking of like, nice dinosaur. Hey, hey, your mommy? <laughs> you know, and he throws like the stick to go fetch. Uh, I was thinking of that when I painted it. But anyway. That's awesome. Um, so I was able to use those guys a little bit to try to prevent my guys from dying because the mission that we chose with the orcs was kind of a kick in the groin to me. Oh, man. That was Because fair. he pulled it out. I had six beautiful hulking orcs ready to go. I love those guys. And basically <clears throat> it says, okay, divide your army into three groups. Check. So I had two in each group, right? And it goes, choose one of the groups to remain on the board. The other two are gone. What? I'm like, wait, 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 what? And so I only had two guys, and it says, if you can kill those two models, essentially those two models, by the end of round three, you win. So I'm like, ah! I tried to run away as fast as I could <laughs> and go hide. And to be honest with you, it was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. It came yeah, down it to near close. the end. Yeah, because yeah. we know by playing that game, orc speed is not one of the advantages with the orcs. <laughs> no, and ogres no. have about the same, although <clears throat> maybe slightly faster, but... Yeah. Still, yeah. It was interesting because you know you think, what? That's not fair. Half my army's gone. Well, not even half. A third of my army, or two thirds of my army is gone. Yep. But, uh, but the fact is, like, three rounds is not a lot of ground to cover. So it forced a really focused effort towards going after your two guys. Yep. There. Yep. And I was able to use the chaotic beast, the Raptorixes, to tie to down way, yeah. some of your guys where, like, if they were engaged, they had to dis- use one of their actions to disengage and another one to move so they couldn't move and attack. Yeah. You know, so um, that helped a little bit. Yeah, but... I think I got lucky, too, because I chose – I adjusted my warband for that fight. And I just – in just on a hunch, I said, you know what, I'm going to – because on the last time we played, I had one shooter. Yeah, and then on a hunch, I said, you know, I'm gonna bring two shooters just to see how it goes, and that 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 made that's the probably what made the difference because I didn't have to be right next to you to finish you off. Yep, yeah, that made the difference. So I'm excited about being able to bring the rats against you um, because there's like I'm looking at six little rats, and like I can field probably an army of like 13 units, which could be overwhelming depending. Yeah, that's you know. That's one where it's going to be, I'll be curious to see, you know, on objective-based ones. Um, although most of the objective ones on that game are about grabbing and holding something. So right. maybe it'll be different. Maybe it'll be different. It'll be interesting. It, yeah. It'll be interesting. So I, I love it because I've got a lot of variety that we can try out and do different things. And so we had a good time with it. Yeah, for good sure. stuff. Yeah. 
So anyway, that was pretty much the Geek Week. It was good times. Awesome. Yeah. 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 So, all right, Dan, why don't you take us into our geek news? Dong, 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 dong. Oh, that was just, that was like NBC News right there. We're going to have to pay somebody a nickel. I liked it. Uh, okay. So we talked about this before, but the lawsuit from Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman against Wizards of the Coast has been withdrawn and dismissed without prejudice. Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman filed to have the lawsuit withdrawn and dismissed without prejudice, meaning it can be refiled in the future before Wizards of the Coast had responded to the original complaint. Watsi has filed no legal motions in regard to this case with the court. So, smells like a settlement. No, I was just going to say, this is totally a settlement. And, it, and if uh, they don't get what they want, then they can just throw it back in there. Yeah, and uh, I hear Margaret was tweeting things like, everybody should stay tuned for some great news. <laughs> nice. Wink, wink. All so, right. If you, you don't get what you want, take the people who pay you to court. Why not? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, thanks a lot. American way. Thanks a lot, CD Projekt Red investors. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. In other news, Nightfall Games released the quick start for the Terminator RPG. The rules cover Ugh. the two major time periods of the films, the present, where Cyberdyne Systems is just another military computer and weapons contractor, and Skynet is just a project in development, and the future after Judgment Day when Skynet, Skynet has scorched the planet and declared war on the human species. Uh, and everybody's remaining to fight for survival. The system is an interesting D10 dice pool system called S5S. The 48, P the 48 page PDF is available for pay what you want on DriveThruRPG, and a Kickstarter for the full core rulebook is scheduled for early this year. I love those guilty prices. Yeah, I know. Pay what you want. <laughs> pay what you want. What do you think? And suggested $58. You're like, uh, I'll pay a dollar. And then you hover over that buy it now button. You're like, uh, am I a bad person? <laughs> hey, they could have raised the bar. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of excited about this. I, I'm i a big fan of the Terminator series, mm -hmm. even though some of the movies of late have been wanting. The last one wasn't so bad. Um, but like Terminator 3 and Terminator Genesis were struggle fests. Yeah. I'm a nostalgia um, Terminator fan. Like one and two. You know, so I'll good. sit down and watch those anytime. The other, past that and all kind of the more modern movies, I'm like, uh, maybe there's nothing else to do. Three, actually, I'll take that back. Three wasn't terrible. It just wasn't great. And Three was the female one, right? Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> she was actually pretty good as a Terminator. She, you're yes, like, oh my was. gosh, this chick is crazy. She was you know? very good. Yeah. Very, I like the way that one good. ended. You know? <laughs> yeah, the way that ended was was good too. And yeah. they didn't wreck like the whole like timeline of it. That's true. Which... That one wasn't too bad. Yeah, you got into Terminator Genesis, which was like, um, you know, with Jason Bales, and you had uh, Terminator Salvation. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jason, you were in that movie? Oh, I was Jason in that Bales. Movie, that's right. <laughs> Holy <laughs> crap. <laughs> Why did I say Jason Bales? Yeah. Christian Bales was I in that one. I just like to do this small little podcast <laughs> on the side every now and then. <laughs> crap, you pissed him off. He's going to yell yeah. at us. He's going to yell yeah. at us, just like he did on the so, set. <laughs> uh, yeah, right, exactly. So, um, yeah, no, so Terminator Salvation, Terminator Genesis, those ones were struggle fests. Um, and then the latest one that they had, um, which I didn't was, see this one. it was the, it had, uh, um, not Linda Carter, Linda Hamilton, Linda, and Linda Hamilton, had, and she came Arnold. back. 
Yeah, and Arnold came back. Yeah. It was actually a fun movie to sit through. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And it it was uh it was an interesting cuz it it was still pre-judgment day. Yeah. But this movie, the interesting thing about it was that John Connor actually dies. He doesn't make it to Judgment Spoiler. Day. Well, yeah. And so there's like other stuff that goes on. So it's it's kind of a multiverse thing, which kind of leads us into our next uh, our topic, main but, topic. But it um, but it was good. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it was. And so I. But think would you play? Playing, would you play an RPG? I would totally play oh, an RPG. Oh, totally. Yeah. I I I would maybe do a three to five session arc with it. I don't know if I would do like yeah. a full year campaign. No. You know. No. But it would be fun for more than just a one shot. Like, yeah. but like a, you know, three to five session, like if you could tighten, get a nice tight little campaign together, I totally play it. The setting could be fun. You got to play the game first to see. Yeah, yeah. See how well absolutely. The setting could be fun. And I like the idea. I mean, I've already got my idea of like, okay, you're kind of like a, a team of people who have been sent back from the future. So what could be cool about that idea is that you could actually play a couple sessions from when you were in the future. You know, because it has a time, future yeah. setting thing. And then you could play it like, okay, you play that maybe in the beginning of your campaign. And you got to get back to the past to help alter something. You know, and so you, maybe you start out the campaign with like one or two sessions in the future. And then you finish out the campaign with two to three in the present. That would be a really fun campaign. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you know, with the Terminator, ter- Terminator genre you're gonna have awesome like machine guns and crazy action and that that's a draw to it too because it it does have a sci-fi angle which i always enjoy but it's also gonna have some crunchy you know you know just shooting yeah military stuff just fighting and sometimes that's really satisfying in an rpg if if the system's good and and you could always skin any system you want but it's usually less work to just by by the book that's already been published. I wonder how lethal this RPG would be. You got to think it's got to be pretty lethal, right? I mean, it's a Terminator coming after you. Yeah. I it like could it be though. right up I, your. It could be right up your alley. You love to. Kill, oh, listen. To kill, I'm, kill, I'm in kill, the process kill. of killing one of our players right now. Good. Slowly <laughs> over multiple sessions. Killing me slowly, softly or slowly. I can't remember what was that song. Softly. Softly. Um, so yeah. Anyway, good stuff. I, I'm I'm excited for that Terminator. RPG. And hey, if you throw in a dollar and get the 48 page PDF, there's there's a there's three sessions right there for a buck 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 buck. Is the uh, is the thing on the Kickstarter page? Is that where the pay as you go thing is? Um, it's drive through RPG. It's RPG. Oh yeah. Okay. Got it. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Cubicle Seven announced a new setting book for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, available Very for cool. pre-order now. Uh, Mid- Middenheim, City of the White Wolf. The book focuses on the Grand Province of Reichland and the city of U- Ulrich, featuring both original and brand new. Ri- Did I say that wrong? <laughs> no, you're doing great. And yeah, you're doing good. Keep brand going. new writing on the setting, plus all new stats for creatures, NPCs, locations, and more. Cool. You can order the 160-page PDF now from DriveThruRPG for $19.99 or pre-order the hardcover. Expected for a Q2 2021 release for $39.99 and receive the PDF for free. So I have been dying to do a Warhammer Fantasy campaign. Because, I know. Yeah, everything that I hear about Warhammer Fantasy, like the campaign is awesome. And uh, I know that we're doing D&D with our group right now, and we're having a 
ton of fun with it. And um, but uh, Warhammer Fantasy has been one of those siren calls to me, and I always keep waiting for it to show up on the bundle of holding because yeah. they keep doing like Warhammer Third Edition. They did a Fourth Edition, which is what they're in right now. They did a Fourth Edition a while ago, and I didn't pull the trigger on it, and I'm kicking myself for it because well, I should have done it. Yeah, I mean, or you, you know. could just you know pay retail or whatever. Um, yeah. The other thing is, I have a feeling, and you can correct, please correct me if I'm wrong, that part of the joy of Warhammer fantasy roleplay is using the minis that you guys have for Age of Sigmar. Um, maybe. Because the thing is, is like, I would rather use the minis that we have for the Cubicle 7 Age of Sigmar roleplaying game that came out. Yeah. Um, so the Got figures it. that we have now are not a one-to-one for the or Warhammer for role Fantasy. Play. Oh, okay. Cause I just don't um, know enough about the universe. Yeah. Cause it's, I mean, technically Warhammer fantasy ended when Age of Sigmar came out, right? Oh, it's like the new iteration. Got it, got it, got it, got it. And so, um, the minis for Warhammer fantasy are all the old ones from like the eighties, nineties and like early two thousands. Oh really? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sorry. So I that's apologize. all Warhammer fantasy stuff. So, so do you, do you have the Age of Sigmar RPG? I don't. Someone lent me the RPG and I didn't quite go through it. I need to, but um, uh, I I was tempted to get pick it up and do like a one shot for all of our Warhammer buddies because they understand the lore and the setting and stuff like yeah. that, and I think that we'd have a great time with it. Yeah. But I just haven't felt. I mean, I think COVID's part of it too because yeah, like you got to do that in person. You know. Yeah, you totally do, and it, it's for like the guys who are like in the area too that we play with regularly. That would yeah. be a lot of fun. But um, the Warhammer Fantasy, I would say that it was the uh, I wouldn't say it. Rob Schwab said it was the main inspiration for Shadow of the Demon Lord. Yeah, yeah. And so it's got that dark fantasy feel about yeah. it. And if you've played Vermintide, which I know Jason, you've played, that's mm-hmm. also on the Xbox Games Pass. Mm-hmm. Um. If you've played Vermintide, it's a dark, crazy thing. And, like, Vermintide's amazing because you have, like, rats, like, rat men just, like, streaming out of things. And you're trying to survive, you know, against these things. And it's, like, this old fantasy towns that you're just, like, being taken over by nasty elements. And so I think that there's a lot of fun opportunities with Warhammer Fantasy. So I think it's cool that they're still putting stuff out for it because as far as Games Workshop goes... Warhammer Fantasy is a, kind of a deadline. I mean, they're kind of resurrecting it with a new product uh, yeah. offering that they got coming out in the next, like, three months or something like that, which they're calling Warhammer Old World. Um, but literally, in the lore of the fantasy line, the Old World was destroyed by Archeon, the Chaos God, essentially. And um, he, well, not quite a god, but the demigod. And he literally destroyed all the Old Worlds, and it took, like thousands of years to reform and that's where we got the age of sigmar is he uh, came back and, and we're in like the a huge age bummer. of sigmar yeah, yeah. what a it's bummer. the time of sigmar somebody should tell him that that's unacceptable archaeon yeah dude he was a real downer for everybody <laughs> no he doesn't he got what he wanted <laughs> he did <laughs> So anyway, cool. uh, yeah, but I'm excited. I'm excited that they're, they keep putting out so what looks to be good content. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great stuff. Cool. All right. It's now uh, time. Or is it time? time? Or was it time? Or will it be time? <laughs> when will it be is time? Is it timey-wimey? Yes. 
As we said earlier in the show, our main topic today is time travel in RPGs, and we want to talk about like what does this mean, and how can you do it well, and how can you do it not well? Because I think this is uh, this is an area where you could easily mess up a lot of things. So um, why don't we uh, why don't we kick it off? Uh, like why would we want to do time travel in RPGs, guys? Well. First of all, there's a fun... It's it's one of the sci-fi tropes. It's a main, like, pillar of sci-fi is time travel. I mean, we just sure. mentioned everything that H.G. Wells worked on. And he worked yep. on time travel. <laughs> but guess what? It's much harder to find a decent time travel RPG than it is every other kind of sci-fi. Space opera, space odyssey out in the universe. So, you know, there's a reason why the Back to the Future movies are fun. We got to figure out a way, if, if your group is up for it, if that interests them, maybe maybe it's Terminator, maybe it's something a little more lighthearted. Right. Um, let's get into it. And I thought up a great RPG that I'm not going to talk about on the podcast because I want to I want to publish it, but it's based on time travel, and that's all I'm going to say about it. So I've been racking my brain about how to successfully do time travel RPGs for about three years now. So this is something that has is is weighed on my mind. So a lot of I a lot of what I have to say is based on thought exercises and less on actual experience. So I'll just caveat that right there. Have you um have you ever looked into the any of the Doctor Who role playing game? I haven't. I think the Who verse the 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 lore is kind of a steep wall. Um, but yeah, that needs to be. I could see examined. that. Yeah, I, I think. But that, it definitely, you know, I mean, he's a time lord. Exactly, and so <laughs> that goes into one of the one of the core ideas of if you're going to do a time travel RPG, what what is the mechanism by which you mm-hmm. travel through time? You know, for yeah. Doctor Who, it's. It's, he's a Time Lord and he has a TARDIS. You know, for Marty McFly it's and, and the Doc, it's a DeLorean, etc., uh, etc., etc. Et and the rules of how that mechanism works, like, really matters. Um, like, for instance, everything has to have its limitations. You yeah. know, if, you know, in Quantum Leap, you know, Scott Bakula's character could only travel within the space of his own lifetime. He could only jump into somebody else's body with his consciousness. There was all these rules about his time travel. And so whatever you come up with needs to have rules um, that you are, if you're doing off the shelf RPG, that's going to have rules. If you're making it up your own and you're using a right. generic RPG system, you've got to build that construct in a way that sounds fun where everybody gets to travel in time, but it's still fun. And that's kind of, yeah, I guess trick. like for Marty McFly, it's, you had to have the flux capacitor mm-hmm. and then the 1.21 gigawatts. Yeah. You had to get up to 88 miles an hour, right? Boom, Whether that be travel. on a train whether that be in a car, you know, whether that be a flying car, Mr. no matter Fusion, what, like, yeah, yeah, you know, you had to have the, uh, you had to have the power supply and the speed, right, was the key. So, right. which pre- presents interesting options in an RPG if you've got rules like that, because, you know, it's not like I can just Thanos snap something and, you know. I were in a different time or things went back to the way they were or something like that, because that would just be too much. But if you have those limitations, like as a DM, you can uh, remove opportunities to maybe provide some of those components. And now there's a challenge that yeah. the players have to like 
figure out how to fix it. Right. You know? Or the planets have to align or there's something outside of their control. You know, they have the, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, another reason why this is super important is because if you just hand them a time machine, anytime they fail a check, they could hypothetically go back in time and try that check again. Right. <laughs> right. Over and over and over again. And yeah, I, I've been in the, you know, uh, that's the doctor. Um, uh, oh gosh. What is it? Rick and uh, Morty. <laughs> no, no. What's uh, what's the comic? Oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot this. It's the um, comic book one with uh, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. He was a superhero. Oh, Doctor. Oh, Strange. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Yeah. Doctor Strange. So he, remember, he had the, the I failed the check, and I'm gonna go back over and over and over <laughs> again. Right? Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, but but that was part of the gimmick, right? Like yeah. he he had to beat that boss over and over and over again. So. Right. Right. And so um, and that, that all that stuff really comes into play. And, and the reason why that comes into play is because if you're in, if you're playing a time travel game, the consequences of the player's actions have to be meaningful. Right. Because mm-hmm. if you just do a thing and say, well, it doesn't matter. We'll just go fix it. And then we'll just go fix it. We'll just go fix it. So I've played other science fiction role playing games where time travel has come into play. And usually you try to scare the players pretty much as to, by saying, if you abuse this, the universe is going to reset itself in a way that you're not looking forward to. And that's right. usually enough of a threat for them to like only use it extremely judiciously for the one little thing they need. I feel like there's a lot of freedom to control this as a GM because, you know, it's the whole like Simpsons episode where he goes back in time. I can't touch anything and he steps on like a butterfly and it changes yeah. the future, yeah. right? It's, yeah. They're like, well, we're just going to go back and retry that as like, okay. And then when they go go back into the, you know, I guess, I guess there's lots of options for the GM to just totally change something that happens later to say, well, it's because you stepped on a butterfly. Yeah. Right. When you went back in time. <laughs> right. You so can always screw I, the players yeah. with any side piece of thing. Oh, yeah. thanks. Yeah. So yeah. I, I agree with that, but I feel like you have to use that carefully too because now all of a sudden you could it, it could like spiral out of control. It could be GM like, punishing the players at every turn. Yeah. yeah. So but if you're a good GM, like is it really hard to control it? No. Like, could it no, really it's spiral not. out it's of control? No, no but a bad, G- a bad GM could destroy a group. Sure. Or, or an without, inexperienced without one. time travel. Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. But this would be a, its own special way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think in an inexperienced GM using time travel uh, is maybe dangerous. So, without understanding like how to do it, and, you know what I mean. It, and what this uh, com- what this comes into, and the butterfly effect folds into this, right? Are you t- now? This is a big question, right? Because, uh, like, um, uh, the the last Avengers movie got into this, you know, Endgame, right? Where essentially they created a situation where the Tilda Swinton character explains, you're traveling through time, but all you're doing is taking something away from me that ruins my timeline. And you're in your great timeline and I'm in my crappy timeline. So you have, you have to design the way time travel works, whether hopefully it's covered in the the game that you've bought, if it's Terminator um, or the game that you've designed, you have to decide whether or not you're in a multiverse situation where every time you travel through time, you've just broken the universe and made another alternate universe? Or have you created a situation where it's a shared universe and you know uh, you end up as your own grandfather? 
Right, because you've done something that Awkward. will affect exactly. So you've got to fix fix your own. So this is one of the hard parts about time travel in RPGs. You yeah. have to make these hard calls and still keep it fun. Okay, and uh, I can't wait to figure out how to do it. Um, I can imagine a lot of arguments with players about saying, "Well, I tried to do this to impact the future like that." And if it's just constant GM fiat about how the universe shakes out, you're just going to be in a constant debate, right? So right. I think this is where maybe like the Genesis narrative die system can really come into play where, you know, if you've rolled a despair on that red die, you have broken the future, right? Or if you get yeah. a triumph, you, you know, you're Marty and suddenly your siblings reappear on, on your, on the photograph, right? Uh, yeah. I'm not obsessed with Back to the Future, but it's a great it's a great way to to talk about time travel because it it, well, it does it in I, such lovely, yeah. cartoony, clear ways. I think um, this brings up an interesting point, which is before you introduce the element of time travel, whether it's a time travel based game or you're just doing a one shot session with time travel or whatever it is. I think that you need to lay down the rules of time travel. Is this going to be a back to the future scenario or is this going to be an Avengers air end game scenario? Right. Right. And you, t- I mean, you, you touched on those points, so I'm not going to rehash them, but the point that I'm trying to make is that you need to be very clear with your players, what kind of time travel situation that you're planning to do so that you don't end up thinking, or so they don't end up thinking of like, well, it's fine if we mess with this thing because we're just creating a new multi-universe and we're going to save everything. And you're like, oh my gosh, you just made Biff the casino owner. (laughs) You know? Well, there's a reason why they spent so much time in that movie talking about time travel so that the rest of the narrative wouldn't break. They're standing around talking about it nonstop. Tilda Swinton's talking about time travel nonstop. And they're the, the the main characters are, are getting that debate out of the way. Your point is, is that debate should be locked down before you guys start your first encounter. See, I I disagree. I don't think, I don't think it has to be. I think you can, I think you can absolutely have an RPG where you introduce an element of time travel and you can tell the players ask, okay, well, are we playing in a multiverse? Are we playing in a consistent timeline? You say, I don't know. Let's find out. <laughs> That's part Ooh, of the adventure. It's time and That's part of the adventure. And I honestly, my opinion, I don't think it's hard to still have fun in an RPG without having those ground rules set up. Okay. I like that argument. Interesting. I, 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 could, I could purchase what you're selling. Maybe. Maybe I can purchase it. But here's the deal is <laughs> I think if that happens, you as a GM need to know what those rules are. Why? I think Why not before... make it up as you go? What I mean, what kind of situation can you get in that would cause a problem that you couldn't just, you know, move the cheese around? Well, it, l- let me double down on that. That's point, part of the, the, where if the you, glory if, if of you're being using, a GM is you make up the story as you, you go. If you're using a rules <sighs> mechanic or a dice mechanic or something that's built into the fabric of what is the game of how time yeah. travel works, you're in, you're in good shape. You can say, yeah. Oh, well, look at that dice roll. You screwed up. You just made a mistake. It's not going to come out the way you want it to be. That's that's the neutral arbiter or sure, hypothetical. Sure. Yeah, okay. All right. So, but mm, I think you I, as I a guess GM, I need, so, so, so let me Give me an this. example. Let, give let me, me an example say. of a situation that becomes difficult for a GM. All right. So they do something. All right. Let's say they go <laughs> steal the Maltese Falcon. Okay. They go steal the Maltese Falcon, and you say, 
All right. Well, because you did this, um, the Nazis win World War II. Why do you have to say that? Uh, I mean, because you've got this as part of your plan. Like you've got this as like like that's the next part of the story or Which whatever. Which is exactly it is, what happened you know? in Star Trek. That that yeah. Edith Keeler, <laughs> because Edith Keeler fell in love with James T. Kirk. The Nazis won. I remember that. That was a good episode. Yeah, time travel. So, that was a good episode. But, but I guess what I'm saying is, as a GM, you you are the god of your world. You can, if you want to go that way, go that way. If you don't want to go that way, you can have something else happen. Okay, no, no, I, I understand. So, but you say this. You say, okay, the Maltese Falcon, you stole it. Now the Nazis won. And like, whoa, 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 whoa. The players start arguing with you, saying like. Well, no, because like this is a multiverse. Like we're able to go back and give it back in time. And, well, I think you know I think I mean? the problem. Yeah, but I think the problem maybe presented here is that when did they find out the Nazis won? Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, All right. now, threat now you're going, in Man in the High Castle. This is so right. great. <laughs> we're jumping from. Well, one I mean, movie it's like they the steal the Maltese Falcon or whatever. It's like okay, what happens next? Do they go? Do they jump in the time machine and go back forward to try to go sure. to their time? You know, there's all sorts of stuff to happen. Do they stay in that timeline just live forward from that time? Like, I mean, right. I think there's just so many options that can move away from a difficult scenario. I think that's fair. I think it depends okay. on it depends I think on, it's how, fair too. on how your players. Well, let's say you said we're going to start a time travel RPG, and you guys are all time travelers, right? That's your thing. Yeah. You're all hey, you all have different skills, but this is the one thing that you have in common, and you have the skills to travel through time. They're going to want to know what's in their toolkit. The They're going to want to yeah. know because yeah. that's kind of the one, and that's that's this, a very good point. Too. This is yeah. this is exactly the problem. One of the not the problem, but one of the reasons that has kind of bogged down my brain in this thing that I've been developing was because I wanted to create, a, you know, a guild of time traveler travelers. Well, what would that mean, and how would they not mess each other up, and who would the bad guy tra- time travelers be, and all that stuff, all that timey wimey stuff. So, um, anywho, I don't know where I was going with that. I think what I was going with that was that. If you were going to say, hey, we're going to play a time travel role-playing game and everybody gets equipped with their own, uh, you know, doohickey Tardis, or, or everybody's yeah. everybody's in the same spaceship together that travels through time and space, yeah. now you have to fix it. They're going to be like, well, what are we fixing? And, and so it's, But if you're just introducing it as a side element to some other science fiction thing or a fantasy thing, quite frankly... Yeah. You know, um, then you can get in and play around with it, and it and it doesn't need to be as defined. That's my point. I found my yeah, point. Yeah, and and I think you can. It depends on the group. You know, what are you getting? What are they coming together to play? Because you could say, hey, we're gonna play. You know, this is gonna be a time travel game, um, and you guys are, you know, your initial time travelers. You know about time travel, but you don't quite understand it yet. And let's play. Yeah. And then if they, okay. you know, if they have a scientist that has intellect, it's like, well, can I, can I, you know, maybe do some checks to see if I understand the theory relatively and try to solve this out and see if this is a multiverse type scenario. You could play it. Yeah. You know, it just depends yeah. on what the group wants right, to so, do. What so, you so, so if they roll for it and they say like they, let's say they roll a high intellect and they're like, I've solved it. What, what universe are we in? What are you going to tell them? It depends on what game you're playing. Yeah. If you're playing a game where you know you don't you you want to have a multiverse, then you could explain that to them. If you're doing yeah. a different one, then you could explain that. If you want no, to do one where you don't that's know, my p- 
Yeah. If you want to do one where there's not one established, you can ask them. Well, and, and what and, did you find and out? And I think there's constraints of, of how how serious of a game are you playing? Is this hard right. sci-fi, that's a, and that's or is this question. Austin Powers? Was when Austin Powers looks right. at the screen and says, "Stop worrying about this." In the yeah. second movie, who cares? Well, if you're going to do hard science fiction, it's pretty hard not to do the multiverse because of the grandfather paradox and yeah. other paradoxes yeah. Yeah. that come from it. But yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you need to be doing science fantasy. Yeah. Right. right. Yep. Which is cool too. There's nothing wrong with science. I guess fantasy. that's the key is that, and that's the beauty of RPGs is you have ultimate freedom with where the story goes, what can happen in the story, and the bounds. How much you want to adhere to mechanics, and how much you want to be flexible with mechanics. It's the yeah. freedom of the table. And I guess that's my point is because RPGs provide that amount of freedom, I think that you can avoid the difficult circumstances that come from bounded um, time travel scenarios. Right. All right. Here's all right. Follow up question. I I I have come to accept your argument from earlier. So <laughs> I've come to accept you're it. You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, here here's a question though. Let's say that you have moved into a multiverse situation, and that's kind of where it has naturally moved into. Yeah, yeah. But now a player's arguing with you about Marty McFly disappearing siblings. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So yeah. now you're now you're like, okay, well, this is a different thing, and they're trying to do something to Marty McFly it type of thing. Well, if they're trying to argue, then make them make role play it. Yeah. All right. You think you understand this? Help me know why your character understands this. Let's do okay. some checks. Let's do some intellect checks. Let's do let's do some science. Let's do some math on the table. If your character is going to argue the math, then let's do the math and do the. Ch- and if they pass their checks, you got to be willing to let them pass their checks. And you got to give them something. Give them right? something. What yeah. would you give them? I'm curious. I'm curious now. So I'm what's the what's through. the specific uh, argument? Uh, their argument is what? All right. So let's say uh, it's a multiverse, right? So they went to go get the Maltese uh, Falcon, right? The non- <laughs> going back to that. Yeah, yep. we're going back to that. They went to go get the Maltese I've Falcon. I've never seen this movie. I feel so out of it. <laughs> they end up um, causing the Nazis to win. So they're going back to like try to repair it, right? But they're saying, hey, why don't we just kill Hitler here? Mm-hmm. You know? baby hitler and, and so yeah so they're like okay we'll kill baby hitler and was that a studio c thing i can't remember that was an end game where they're joking about thanos and they're like why, oh, why yeah, don't we yeah. just find baby thanos and he baby starts thanos. he starts doing the squeeze motion and everybody's like no we can't do that <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah, you're like, uh, dude. He just eliminated half the universe. I think we can. But anyway, yeah. um, so all right. So they decide to go kill baby Hitler to prevent, you know, World War Two, and they. So basically, they've gone from a multiverse right to Marty McFly. To oh, a paradox. They're, to they're a paradox. To have, they're trying to play inside a consistent verse. Exactly, and, and so that's that. That's what I. That's my point. So, like, so, so what happens is the player starts to try to play inconsistently with the rules that have come oh, to be established I get it. through I get, their well, game. Point. I mean, once the rules, once they have started to find out the verse, then you know, I think that it's probably easier for a GM to stay inside that box as it's sure. created, right? Sure. So, if you if you don't have rules established up front, and then through time and playing and, and intellect checks and all that other stuff, they find out that it is a multiverse, and then they try to go back 
in to do something like that, you can, as a GM, kindly try to help them understand that they already figured out it was a multiverse. Yeah, right. Or right. let them do it and figure right. it out again. And one of the, the things that you should be worried about is them saying, well, you know, I, I don't care if I'm a bad person in this timeline. I'm gonna ju- I'm going to do a bad thing here. When we're just leaving this timeline, I'll get to start over, and my yeah. right. my my decisions here have no real consequence, and that's that's, that's a good point. one of the reasons why the yeah. multiverse thing gives me a little bit of heartburn. And if I write an RPG, I can't I can't stomach it because it's, it's uh, harder because to make your choices like, matter. It's just like okay, well, you know, in the in this universe, in this universe, the, the Nazis aren't bad and they control everything. Well, wait a minute, then that's that's a horrible thing. Well, is it? I don't know. So, well, you can yeah. still have you can tie multiverse into semi-consistent timelines. Anything yeah. that you know, choices they make as they try to jump through time, they're jumping to they're jumping to points, and then from those points is when the new branches of the multiverse occur. Um, so going backwards, it's not necessarily a problem, but when they try to jump forward, you can still tie some amount of consistency and to say you're jumping to some, uh, you know, maybe yeah. a, an adjacent multiverse. Yeah. There, there's stuff you could play at. You could. But yeah, you, you'd have you to could. understand it. But I, I, th- that's why I think for simplification purposes, I think the, the, the movies that make the time travel yeah. meaningful or the action of going into F right. in time or back in time – Usually, it's because they're trying to prevent a paradox or per- trying to prevent a dark yeah. future. Mm-hmm. Um, I think *Man in the High Castle* right. all three seasons cover these issues really, really well with the Nazis in control. So we can even you yeah. can even go back to the, the, that yeah. what if scenario. Well, *Umbrella Academy* was pretty good with this too, right? Like they were trying to stop like an apocalypse that they didn't know how happen how it happened. Come to find out, they're the ones that started it. <laughs> Umbrella Academy is an, also another good example as a GM. You know, GM could use that as a tool. Is no matter what they do, there are major event, major points of entropy in the universe that cannot be stopped. You can change the way that they occur, mm-hmm. but you yeah. can't stop them. And that, so far, as far as they've seen, they can't stop the apocalypse. Right. They just change the way the apocalypse comes. Right. You can go back and you can kill baby Hitler, but the what happened in World War One to create the situation where Hitler could come right. to power was, is not going to change. So yeah. Hitler 2.0 shows up, right? Yeah, and so and he's uh, worse. It's uh, Heinrich Himmler instead of Hitler, right? And then the you're people, like, right? oh crap! Now we got to go back and prevent World War One from happening. Well, how do we do that? You know, and and yeah. then so there's and then before that, you're in other European wars, going back to Napoleon and before that, <laughs> yeah, right? right? So yeah. you're you're at a point where you you're know, stopping the French Revolution, which ends up, you know, <laughs> <It's> like. like <laughs> Oppressing the people even worse and decadence. We found know, this guy and... with the beard with two stone tablets. We think we can sort this thing yes. out right here, right yeah. now. You get rid of yeah. him. The Jews are oppressed in <laughs> Israel for the rest of their lives into obscurity. I mean, you know, it goes on and on, right? It just goes on and on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that would be funny. A religiously based time travel thing. Oh, be, okay. We won't go there, people. We don't want to lose any listeners, but that could get really sacrilegious really fast and funny yeah anywho so so what do you think of the idea of i mean we talked about limitations on time travel but what do you think of the idea of uh going back to our magic discussion of last week i I talked about how i liked how magic systems usually made made it cost something you couldn't just infinitely cast fireball right right 
Um, it, it has to cost something. There has to be a, a quote-unquote currency for it. Um, what do you think about time travel in that sense of like making it cost something or, uh, you know, I mean, you, you recently discovered the price of intergalactic fuel on starships in yes. Star Wars. And now that costs something. You can't just jump around for free. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about doing the same thing with time travel? Yeah, obviously there's that. You can put a finite amount of gasoline into in the time machine fuel, right? Yeah. Until you fix that with the, uh, what is it, the uh, the Mr. Fusion. The, the, what, what time travel, though, if you watch the films, even Terminator, even, mm-hmm. even Austin Powers, there is, on the other side of the spectrum, right, is risk. Traveling in through time is highly risky for yourself and for your effect on 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 the universe, right? Yeah. And so I think that once you get a feel, once you have alleviated, once you have ensured that that risk is going to be felt by the players, that is becomes a real limiting factor. Yes, I have given players right. the equivalent of a time machine. In in a in a sci-fi game, and they knew that every time they used it, I was going to swing the pendulum. Every time they pushed the pendulum three degrees to the left, I was going to push it three degrees back to the right. And they knew that yeah. they didn't want to mess with that. So I think I think the risk factor that's the currency is, is probably a little more fun, which goes back to the rules of your time travel, right? Which we had already had that yeah. discussion. Than it is necessarily, you know, how many how many nickels do you have to put into the into the um, into the car? Um, <laughs> right. you, that should be yeah, a, a fact. That should be a factor, right? You know, yep. um, with Quantum Leap, you had Scott Bakula being thrown around through time. He had no control over it, um, but even that was taking a toll on his psyche after yep. a while. Well, right? and the yep. the price of the original, at least the original Terminator movies, is time travel is a one way. Trip. One way ticket. One way yeah, ticket. Yeah, it's like yeah. you go back. There's no coming back. Right. You're there. Right. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So, so that makes the stakes a little higher. Yeah. It just depends on what what you guys want to do. I I think you, I think it would be fun if everybody sat around and said, okay, well we've done D and D, we've done this genre, we've done that genre. What, what have we yeah. not done? We should say, well, we should try time travel. We should get a time travel RPG, a Doctor Who RPG, or Terminator, or whatever, and just. Just beat it up and and see what works and what doesn't work. I'm yeah. gonna guess just from you know knowing about Doctor Who and I'm gonna guess that the Doctor Who RPG probably is very loose with time travel. Timey wimey, yeah. What yeah. happens? What happens in the past affecting the future? Yeah. Because yeah, the, the I mean, writers you could certainly go that didn't route, care. which is it doesn't really affect anything. You know, yeah. I mean, maybe have some hilarious anecdotes, which is you step on the butterfly and then all of a sudden you come back and there's giant moths flying through the sky. But yeah. who cares? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really yeah. matter. Yeah, you know, big deal. it doesn't matter. Like they had to evolve because like the small ones were killed out. Here's a question: on it? Would you would you favor a game that allowed traveling into the future? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I totally would. That, that would be versus that. traveling into the past, you mean? Yeah, because in order to be able to travel to the future, right, the future must exist, which means you are actually living in someone's past. Right. See, okay. we're right back yeah. in it. We fell right back yeah, in right. it. We're right back okay. in it. Right. It, it it all depends on time, right? We know that time is is a quantity that we don't. It's that time, we, time is a we flat see. circle. It is well. It's a perception. <laughs> 
it's a perception that we have, and it's in our own relative spaces. So you can kind of do whatever you want with it. But, and then you um, could get into time and space being the same thing, yeah. and you know, and get a little uh, get a little Einstein action going. I mean, I, I there's just so many things you can do with it. I I, so, I think uh, let me boil this down, yeah. and, and we've yeah. said it before, but. Um, you've got to figure out what's fun as a collective activity for you and four or five right. people. I do have a time travel board game on my shelf right now. I'm staring at it. It's called us pat number one, where the whole point of the game, this is one of those cheap ass games where you get components out of other, um, other board games. The whole point of it is to build your time machine, uh, better to go back furthest in time and patent your time machine first so that you can control time. Uh, nice. yeah. So you could be <laughs> in charge. You could be the Time Lord by getting no, the, I you, made the, light bulb. the U.S. patent. That that's the goal of it. Um, that's cute. Uh, no, I didn't create just the first U.S. patent. I created the United States. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. It's like nobody else can own time travel but me. So it, at the it, so what you have to do is in a conversation like this, if you're in a session zero and saying we want to do science fiction and we want to do time travel. This is my pitch. You pitch it like a movie, right? And people can say, are we doing multi? Sure. Are we doing this? Yeah. Are we doing that? I would say that that is probably the best way to maximize fun. Even if, and you could say, well, we don't know. The unknown could be the pitch. It could be, you sure. are the first group of people who just discovered time travel. You don't even know if you're going to create a multiverse every time you flip the switch yeah. or not. And yeah. that could be the, that could be the pitch that you make to the players. I like that. I, I, yeah, that that's fun. great. I think that's great if you're playing an RPG yeah, like a time travel RPG. I think that's. I think that session zero is probably more critical than like a D and D session zero. Right. It's, you know it's more I mean? important than it. than who's the healer. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'll be the um, healer. <laughs> uh, now here's the question: If you introduce, let's say, a three session arc within your RPG of time travel, right? So you know, at the end of the third session, the DeLorean's gonna explode, and you'll never have the flux capacitor again. That kind of thing. Um, but for three sessions, they've got time travel range, you know. Um, do you introduce this through like an NPC that uh, basically says, hey, I'm the scientist here. I'm the Doc Brown of the situation, yeah. you know. Uh -huh. And and the, here's, here's the basic rules of time travel as I know them, right? Like it may not be complete. It may not be, under, you know, like totally understandable by the players, but... You know, maybe the NPC is what introduces it versus the, the DM basically saying, "Okay, we're going to do time travel this session. Here's the rules." Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. Or, that. How many times do we get a potion? We don't know what it does. Right. But, right. But the reason why you bring it up in in session zero is because you need to decide whether or not the idea for your storytelling, whether it's going to be a a high level of frustration or a high level of fun for mm -hmm. the group. Mm -hmm. Because what would yeah, very true. what you want to avoid is an RPG where everybody feels forced into doing a three shot, where they're like, "Oh, I I thought we were doing Austin Powers when in fact we're doing Terminator, which is a huge bummer for me." Right? You right. somewhere in somewhere on that spectrum, you'll find the general consensus. So I yeah. I highly recommend having the conversation first, even if the conversation is this is a journey into the unknown of what this science means to the universe. That's my yeah. opinion. Cool. That's just my opinion. Yeah, very cool. good. Interesting. Very good. 
Boy, we really chewed up some time with that topic. Woo! <laughs> well, it's a fun topic. <laughs> Woo, right. baby! It is. It is. It's... We haven't. We we didn't even venture into the uh, devs paradox stuff. Oh, I can watch yeah. that Which... now, and I haven't started it. Okay, yeah, so well. I think Dan, when you watch that, that'll be a review episode. Okay. I may have to go back and rewatch it. I, again. I need something to bitch on. That's yeah, exactly. Free will. See. There's a lot of cool ideas that can be played around with, with without a lot of you know the hardware of a science fiction game doesn't have to be the biggest gun and the biggest spaceship, it can be these core ideas and why you're doing what you're doing, and and that can be the that can be the compelling content that makes everybody want to get back together to do session two and three and four. All right. Well, actually, I'm going to pull the thread through on that um, a little bit. So, are you saying that? Um, Time travel is the is not just the gimmick of the RPG that you're doing. It is the central component. Well, it's it's the technology that allows for a story to be told in the okay. same way. I'm going to use Star Wars because it's in front of me. A, a lightsaber allows a story to be told or a hyperspace allows a story to be told. Right. There's right. conceits of the genre. And so if you're in a time travel genre, you either have to fix the fix a bad future from happening or go back yeah. in time and fix a bad present that we're all trying to avoid. Or I want to do a really lighthearted time travel game where it's fun, where everybody just kind of goofs around, you know, a, a little bit more like Time Bandits, more like Time Bandits and less oh, like yeah. less like That's Terminator. I think that would be really enjoyable um, to be. I mean. How awesome would this be? Here's a here's a pitch for you, Dan. You are an international uh, crime ring that uses time to steal stuff. I mean, time bandits in a sense, yeah. right? Wasn't that and uh, like, wasn't that a Ryan? What was his name? The guy who directed episode eight. Wasn't that his movie? Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. Didn't know. he do a time travel assassin movie? I haven't seen oh, it. Oh, Looper. There's, Looper. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Looper. Yeah, Looper. Anyway. That was a, well, that there's was all a, sorts of stuff. There's Looper, Time Cop. Yeah. I mean. But, yeah. like, you go you 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 go back in time and you're, you know. And what's interesting is you may That's end up in the medieval timeline. period trying to trying to steal, like, the Holy Grail. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And But your whole bent is that we are uh, collectors. Yeah. And we're going to go steal the artifacts and bring them back to the present and be rich. <laughs> there was an Orville <laughs> episode know? that did that. <laughs> Oh, was there? Yeah, really? there was an Orville episode that uh, she, uh, a, a lady, would go back in time and find ships that died, that exploded, and she would save them and then take them back through a time portal and sell them to collectors. Nice. And it was safe because she went back to ships that right before they were destroyed. So it kind of, in her mind, it didn't affect the timeline right. because those ships were destroyed anyways out in the middle of nowhere. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll have to check that yeah. out. Yeah. So I mean there's I think there's a lot of um I I guess my point of what I was trying to ask you is that um to me time travel becomes sort of a part of the setting. Um it doesn't replace a good story. Yeah. Like so or or a good or a good premise, right? Yeah. So the premise of this of this, you know, time heist thing is that you're actually international um, crime syndicate, like stealing stuff, like that's that's the that's premise. really what and it is. And then you're using time to do it, right? Like for right. instance, Star Wars, you use 
lightsabers and spaceships to to, to figure out daddy issues, basically. You know, to look at <laughs> look at the, the the family conflicts that that are that are real, right? So I think this could be the crux of the problem that I've been having with the time travel game that I've been trying to write in my head, which is that. I've been using time travel as the premise and not as the, not as just a, the setting. Yeah. Or just a gimmick. Right. I've been, yeah, the gimmick. I've been putting too much on the time travel aspect of the game and not enough on the story aspect of the game, which is, uh, I think you may have uh, broken my log jam. Thanks there. Oh, there it is. There it is. Yeah. Cause I think if if you were to say, okay, I'm going to make a time travel RPG. I mean, all you're really going to do, like, all you're really going to provide is a set of rules. Yeah. I mean, that's all you can do because right. otherwise, like, you know, people have to come up with their own settings. they got to come up with their own characters. And, yeah, you may have, like, character rules and stuff like that, but that's no different than any other than any other RPG. You just have Chapter 6, Time Travel. Yeah. You know, in the rule book. And so, um, you know, I think that... Uh, I th- yeah, so I think if you're going to write a generic RPG with time travel, like that's all there is to it. But if you're going to well, I was going to write I was world... I was going to write a um, a Genesis module with okay. the open with oh, a gaming okay. license, right? Well, so then so then it gets into a little bit of the world building mm-hmm. with it, right? Yeah. Which is like, okay, what is the world as is? Like, who are the people that control the time travel? Why do you have access to it? Because if if everybody can time travel, then Nobody can try. Yeah, I've sorted some of those. I've sorted some (laughs) of those things out. Like I've gone back. I started writing notes on this when I was on a cruise with my wife like eight years ago. This is one of these things. This is one of these side projects I keep coming back to and and I haven't cracked yet. Right. But I figured out a lot of that stuff. But I think um, my problem is, is how to properly communicate to the GM about what they should be worried about and what they shouldn't be worried about for time travel. Mm, right. Mm. And I think this conversation has been really helpful for me, in fact, um, to iron some of those wrinkles out. So nice. anyway, uh, more to come people, because I don't want anybody aping my awesome idea that I want to copyright. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you want to write a time travel RPG, you're going to have to get U.S. patent number one for yes, it. Yes, I have. <laughs> exactly. So I have an IP in mind. I have an IP in mind that I think would make like good short stories and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And I would love to stake it out into the universe and make it mine and then like spin something off, you know, for, for different gaming licenses and mm. short stories and, and just stuff that interests me. I think you should just co-op the Highlander IP. There can only be one. <laughs> only one. That we I would that would that's a fun game, but oh dude, you don't want to player death in that game really sucks. It's like, okay, we're all Highlanders here and before the end of this four shot, there's just going to be one of us, baby. So are you saying like I'm it. guaranteed to die in this campaign? Yes, I am. Sounds like Justin's running the game. <laughs> You know what sounds awesome is basically you say, okay, there's four of you. Yeah, by the end of the fourth session, there's only going to be one of you. you. And by the way, if you die this session, you're not invited to the rest. (laughs) (laughs) You have failed your quest. Like, you're done. Like, we'll see you in three months. I I think that's actually happened to me in a few RPGs. (laughs) 
How come we're... You died, and they're like, yeah, well, hold off on your character for now, and we'll let you know when you can come. We're getting together and not telling you. <laughs> what? Huh? Huh? Why not? Cool deal. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to us uh, go on and on about time travel. If uh, you have a time travel machine, uh, please leave it in a comment. Like we'd like to know about it. We want to take a ride. <laughs> we want to go get. It's we want to go buy some Bitcoin. <laughs> That's right. I do it in 2014 when it's all like 17 cents of Bitcoin. <laughs> now it's like worth thirty six thousand dollars. Oh baby! So, oh baby! Yeah. Anyway, all right. Thank you, everybody, and uh, have a good night. Later. See ya.